a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you are going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living that is exactly what makes them extra to me, and I am excited for you to meet them. Now, we've all heard the term uh, coming of age, okay? And I'm, uh, and I'm guessing that for anybody listening to this podcast, um, that stage of life has long since passed for you. Uh, in fact, you probably think back to high school, you know, maybe early college, but it's, but it's probably a long time ago. Um, well, for me, I must have been a bit of a late bloomer because when I think of that stage of life for me, it actually came after college. Um, it was my very first job living on my own in a, in a way bigger city than I ever imagined, figuring out everything for myself uh, for truly you know, really the first time. And, um, and without making you wait for it, uh, I'm going to tell you right now that today's guest was the one guy there for me, for all of it. Uh, he is my coming of age brother who shaped, literally shaped everything about my, uh, newly adult self, um, at that time from the silly stuff, uh, like, you know, what to wear to work. Uh, I mean, this guy taught me how to tie a bow tie, taught me how to wear suspenders at work. This is back in the day when we actually dressed up for work. Um, he didn't make fun of me when I kept forgetting that the cool name for suspenders was braces, not straps. I kept calling them straps. <laughs> He's like, no, dude, it's not, not straps. Um, and then what not to wear to work, like the super, super thoughtful, but super inappropriate gold cufflinks that my future in-laws gave me for college graduation. <laughs> he just took me aside one day and said, yeah, don't ever wear those again. <laughs> but, but also, and more importantly, for the serious stuff, like what it looks like when you really do marry your best friend, not for the phrase, but for real. And what, what big ideas and creativity and inspiration, what that feels like, you know, whether it's at work or whether it's, you know, uh, helping me decorate a high school gym to, to help me propose to my best friend, you know, and, and, and he taught me what loyalty looks like. And what it sounds like, captured in a, a stupid song, but a great lyric from that song from Train when they sing about your best friend sticking up for you, even when I know you're wrong. And what giving back looks like. I mean, compelling me uh, at way too late of an age uh, for my, to, to really engage in my very first act of community service, uh, playing basketball with inner city kids 10 years younger but 50 pounds bigger and scarier <laughs> than we were, uh, which for a small town kid like me was it opened up a whole world of, uh, of compassion and, and a little bit of fear uh, that I had not experienced. And um, so anyway, I know in this introduction of our guest, I'm talking a lot about me, but it's because um, a lot about me is because of him, um, who, 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 is a, who is his own man in his own right, who is a devoted husband, a father of three, a son, a brother, uh, a best man to many and uh, and a best friend to many more. And I humbly am just one guy in a very, very long line of men who owe a lot about me to a lot about him. So with that uh, said, please welcome uh, today's man-a-man, Mr. Dave Brilla. B-Man, welcome to Man. 
Wow. Thank you very much. Do I get a walk-up song, by the way? That was, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get that in post. Uh, we'll, we'll, put, we'll put that in. I got a little tear in my eye. But oh. I think that was my eulogy. Jeez. <laughs> I'll, I'll save it. I'll, <laughs> Thanks. I'll save it. But hey, it is great just to have you on this and just, I'm so excited. And a lot of people who listen to Man Hot already know you. So this is going to be like, oh my gosh, you got Dave on. So I know there's so many people that are smiling uh, as they listen to this on their run or in their car or whatever. But um, it's a really, really big deal to have you on because for those that don't know Dave, um, I really can't underscore or understate um, the impact that you had on my life. And that's just, it's the fact. It's where, you know, we we just, I, I can't even, in fact, I, you know, I know you were kind of nervous about doing this show, but I have to tell you that your introduction is probably the hardest one I've had to write um, because I just, I can't even capture the range, I mean, of experiences and impact and just the impression that your influence made on me. So, well, I was going to say it's humbling and your introductions for everybody are always great. And the most awesome part is that we're alive to hear them and they're not our eulogy. So, you know, I don't know if anyone's mentioned that before specifically, but, uh, you know, don't wait. I guess that's one of the key messages. Don't wait for somebody to die to say something nice. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, that's, nobody has said that. that. That's, Nobody's gotten that dark on us yet. So, so thanks for that. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, back to the uh, back to the living eulogy. I that I that is actually so very very long setup. And for those that have given me very thoughtful constructive criticism about just not talking as much, apologies for that. But I actually want to. That's where I want to start. You know, I mentioned it uh, a lot in your intro, um, and, and as I say, I could have gone on it more. But this impact that you have on these friends and, you know, and you're not a, you're not a, you're not a broad and you're, you're not a, uh, uh, what, what am I trying to say? You're not like a wide and shallow guy. You are a, you are a, uh, a core guy and, and have, you have friends that you've, you're like, you're like a ship with barnacles, like these friends <laughs> attached to you and they don't leave you, you know I mean? And so I'll kind of want to start with, with, and, and that's a gift. And, and, and I'm, like I said, I consider myself blessed to be part of this, this, this big, uh, but still an inner kind of circle. And so uh, I just wanted to, you know, how far back can you remember, um, that being your deal? You know, like, were you like this, like in elementary school or, or was there a point where, you know, you maybe felt like, you know, when you were coming of age in high school or whatever, like when did that start? Or has that always been how you've developed friendships? Wow. Uh, that is a tough one. I, um, I remember, uh, at a young age, you know, I grew up, you know, with a divorced mom, you know, living in a small apartment with two sisters, uh, so I didn't have a built-in, you know, male companion, a built-in bro. Uh, so I had friends and, 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 you, you know, you know, as a fellow, as a fellow guy, you know, just how terrible kids are to each other growing <laughs> up. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it was, it was tough, you know, because guys, you know, they, they don't call it hazing in fifth and sixth and seventh grade, but it's hazing. And it, there's a lot of guys are cruel to each other. It's Lord of the fly sort of stuff. And, and it's ugly. And so you've got to figure out how to maintain those relationships. And, you know, in the age well before, you know, cell phones and email and texts, you know, this was, 
you know, how do you reach out to another guy? It was a phone call. It was a knock on the door. It was uh, trying to organize. I mean, before parents organized play dates, yeah. you organ- organized them on your own. And so, you know, that was always my sort of go-to move. I had to make my own fun and, and I had my share of, um, you know, I don't even know what to call it, but I mean, I had an entire group of guys dump me, you know, when I was in uh, ninth grade and cause I went to the Catholic school, they went to the public school and I just, you know, not that I was ever cool, but I certainly wasn't cool then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I was, you know, pretty much off on an Island for a year without any friends with the exception of one guy who stuck with me and he's still a friend today. And, mm. and I think it's the, I think it's really the, the magic of the, uh, you know, in sales, they call it the warm call. You know, it's a call for no reason. You're not asking for anything. You're not, um, it's, I'm thinking about you and, mm-hmm. you know, social media and texts have made it easier for the warm call, but people still don't take a, as much advantage of it as I think I do. And, and you know, this, I hear a song once in a while and you do it to me. Uh, you, you hear a song once in a while. And it's like, you, you flip the song to yeah. each other. It's like yeah. no agenda. Just, I was, th- I heard the song yeah. and I thought of you and, totally. uh, you know, it could be Ben folds or train or Pearl jam or whatever, yeah. of course, counting crows and yeah. all that other stuff. And it's just, I think it's, you know, when I think the friendships stick, when people know that, you know, you're thinking of them. That's yeah. all. And I think, and I do think, and this is a way deeper, like, probably sociological conversation that that I am certainly not qualified to have but I think you know when you talk about coming being you know com, uh, um, being a boy and 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 dealing with other boys growing up you know I think we underestimate and here I am saying this as a father of girls so I can't even speak to this from any personal knowledge other than my own as a, as, a, as a boy growing up I think we underestimate everything you just talked about. Uh, and and the impact that it has on boys, you know, when we when we think of the clicks and the hazing and the and the being isolated and being shunned and being shamed, you know, we 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 attribute all of that crap to girls and how right. girls are mean or whatever, and guys are have, and it is so not true. Guys have just as they're just as vulnerable, and I actually feel like we it's a double whammy that we don't actually um, we're not looking out for our young men. Um, as much as we should, you know, and I think it's just, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's, you had to work harder to kind of persevere through all that stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think guys can disappear into other things a lot easier. Um, I have one girl, you have four. Um, my daughter wears all that on her sleeve and we feel every bump in the road, when my boys and I have two of them, uh, when they're on the other side of that, they have video games, they have mm-hmm. other distractions and you never know it. Um, yeah. but they're probably feeling it, you know, deep down and really hard. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, when you got in high school and you, and you, you know, started connecting with some, some guys that, that aren't still with you, but do you have, do you, do you, um, do you feel like you've always kind of been the ringleader, you know, or, or did you, were there guys at that age? Um, and uh, blessedly, as we all get older, we get to meet more people and we get to meet older people. And so there, we have a lot of role models as we, like we accrue more role models as we, as we, as we get older, but were there any, um, were there any like, you know, sort of like peer role models back then that you actually looked up to that you were like, Oh my God, you know, or, or do you feel like you were always kind of the, 
you were always the one making the warm call, you know? Yeah, I, I, I do feel like I was, you know, the solid sidekick or the number two um, wingman, whatever you want to call it. But there were always guys that were more popular than me or, you know, well, you know, they had the bigger house. You know, I was in a condo, you know, with, you know, it was like I couldn't have people over at my house because it was this tiny little, you know, condo. My mom slept on the couch sort of thing. I was kind of not really embarrassed, but just didn't have the space that other, you know, kids had. So I would say I was a facilitator, you know, to try to generate the whatever we were going to do, but I was happy to take the back, you know, the backseat role of, you know, let somebody else be the popular, you know, ringleader, if you will. Um, But knowing full well that this group probably would not have gotten together if I had not tried to, you know, pull these things together. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a, a thing or not, but that was, I think in any group of friends, you know, everyone has their lack of a better term, you know, their job. And, Mm -hmm. and my job was to kind of pull this thing together and let the superstars, you know, let the light light shine on them. And, and I was happy to, you know, hang out in the blue, hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The glue you mentioned. um, And for listeners, I, I'm not even going to pretend to fake that I don't know this. So I'm just asking this question so you all can hear it. But, you know, you mentioned your sisters and you mentioned your mom. And I know the, the, I mean, with all of those very strong women, but especially your mom, you know, I feel like played such a central role in your life. And, 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 and this whole podcast is about, you know, men, you know, men of faith, strong men, you know, you know, virtuous kind of men, but talk about the role of your mom and, and how, you know, and you know, you and I both know that you would not be a quarter of the man of the man you are today without your mom. Um, yeah. And and how do you even start to describe the impact that she had on you? You know, there's so much that happened even before I was born. You know, here's a, you know, here's a woman that got married right out of high school, and uh, right after she got married, she had a boy. Um, before I was born, that boy died. Uh, you know, how do you go on after the death of a child? It's, you know, very hard. And I know you've, I know, you know, folks that have worked their way through it, but in the sixties, I think that was a very different thing. The support systems probably weren't there. And even though, um, after I was born, I have a younger sister, have an older sister, you know, something like that, just, you know, was too much for a marriage to absorb. And so, you know, she was a single divorced mom in the seventies when nobody was divorced, you know, and we were living, I mean, she was like this pariah, you know, and she just persevered under all circumstances. And, you know, she, um, you know, did not get a favorable divorce settlement. You know, we were scraping along. My dad did really well, (laughs) And, you know, the court did not require him to pay a lot of money. And so, and she never asked him for it. And, you know, she was always going to be a strong, independent woman. And she raised her kids to be, you know, strong, independent people, you know, two girls and a, and a boy. And, and, you know, she was such a role model in terms of her work ethic, um, in terms of, you know, managing her personal life and, and her role as a mom. Uh, it was just, you know, I remember it was probably 15, 20 years ago, but I was asking her, you know, how did you, you know, get past, you know, my brother dying and, and, you know, essentially it was, I just had no choice and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm 
bawling and she is yeah. not even cracking a tear. I mean, she is just <laughs> rock solid and I am just a puddle. And, and, and it's just, I, I, I just said to her, I said, you're so strong. Yeah. And, and she said, you know, kind of like, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I didn't have a choice yeah. and, yeah. and she, I mean, she has, you know, great parents and an incredible group of friends and, but you know, when the chips are down in situations like that back then, and maybe even today, you know, you find out who your real friends are. And she did a lot of this alone. Yeah. And so it's, you know, she's a heck of a, you know, a heck of a person and, 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 you know, an incredible role model. Yeah. Well, she did alone. And, and though a part of that, you know, is when I, when I think of your family, your mom and your two sisters and you, it, it is such a cohesive um, I mean, I talked at the end of the intro about, you know, you teaching me what it looks like to marry your best friend. And I would say that you also, that your family is like legitimately, like those are, those are a handful of the people that you're taking with you no matter what. And not just because you're supposed to, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, right. I guess I should bring my sisters. Or it's like, the, I mean, I remember getting to know you and, and, and just the way you'd speak of your sisters and how much they knew of you. And it, it was just so evident that that, that, that upbringing, you know, while hard there, there's the, the dividends of, of that effort are, are just, they're so, um, they're so, um, present, you know, as, as, as an adult. Yeah. It's, um, well, and it's even gotten tighter. It was tight when we all lived in this little apartment. And now my mom has, uh, dementia and Alzheimer's and we're figuring out what's next. You know, you can't, you could, but we would not check her into assisted living during the pandemic. And so we're working through all that. And it's, um, it was great. We just all got together in Florida, uh, along with, uh, my wife and, you know, uh, my two younger kids. Uh, and we had a, a week, uh, at a, you know, rental on the beach and, everybody was vaccinated. So, you know, for your listeners, uh, you know, it was responsible traveling, but, um, you know, it, 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 it wasn't a last hurrah per se, but it was, it was great to get together. And, you know, to this day, we still complete each other's sentences and yeah. everything else. And it's, and it's a lot of fun uh, spending time with them. It's a gift. Um, this is going to seem like a little bit of a left turn, but there's so many turns that we could take here. And I do want to talk about, um, I mentioned it also in the intro about um, you uh, introducing me to this aspect of, which is ironic now because it's such a big part of my life, but like, you know, community service, charity, hmm. you know, giving back and this conscience, this kind of social conscience, which now um, I, I think I exhaust people with it. And, and if I have time, I actually do blame you for it. Um, but, you know, you've taken that from, <clears throat> you know, as I mentioned, and, you know, in the intro playing, you know, pick up basketball with inner city kids all the way now to like your, your vocation, your trade, you're actually working in, in an area that is highly environmentally, you know, conscious. And I mean, it's, it's, and you don't have to go in uh, all the detail if you don't want, but I'm just wondering when did that, you know, this care for whether it's the earth, whether it's the community, I mean, you, you operate with such a strong conscience. And I'm just wondering, has that, you know, did that also just kind of come with the territory of just how you were raised? I mean, was your mom always like taking you guys to, you know, parades and bake sales and <laughs> crap like that? Or, or is that something that came maybe a little bit later 
in life where, you know, your own maturation sort of unlocked this, this little door of, of kind of service. I mean, there's really two different things. Um, one of them is just the, my personal commitment to service. And, and that really goes back to my days, uh, as an altar boy. And, uh, when I was growing up, uh, you know, in the Chicago suburbs, I was, I was a very young altar boy, probably like fourth or fifth grade. And our church, our Catholic church, uh, held service at this middle school gymnasium. And after, uh, Sunday services were over, you know, we, put the folding chairs away and, you know, did all that stuff. And it was all very, um, very authentic. And, and it was, you know, it was actually really cool. And then, you know, the, uh, the members of the church raised enough money to actually build the cool little church. And then, then things changed dramatically. We went from this, you know, sort of barn raising Amish Catholic church thing <laughs> to, you know, this established, you know, beautiful brand new church and, and, you know, all these folks that used to, you know, put away the folding chairs were now, you know, too cool for school. And, yeah. and as I mentioned, you know, before, uh, when you're an altar boy, uh, you know, you have a backstage pass, you have a front, you know, a front row seat, and you can see how the sausage is made. Yeah. And so what that means is when you're standing up there, especially, you know, at the gospel, you know, you're looking into the crowd um, at everybody. You get to see their faces. You have a very unique position. Yeah. You get to see their faces. And because you're not speaking like the priest is, you're just watching. Yeah. And this is well before cell phones and everything else. I can't imagine what people are doing nowadays. But um, half the people are sleeping. Nobody's paying attention. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just this yeah. lackadaisical, um, you know, response from the crowd and, and in my mind, I kept saying to myself, you know, is this why people, people, I just felt like people were punching the ticket. They weren't really engaged, this and that and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I was only like 10 or 11 and then, and then they would not let me leave the altar boy hood, if that's a word. So I was in high school. I was still an altar boy. I was yeah. like this, you know, six foot altar boy next to this, <laughs> the you know, yeah, the robe didn't even fit you anymore. Yeah. yeah to totally. It was like up to my, up to my, you know, knees. Right. And it was like, I have to stop doing this. They're like, no, but you're really good at it. And I'm such a sucker. But, but I was like, you know what? I should really spend this hour doing something more productive. You know, I was listening to what was being said and I, 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 I always believe that Jesus was, uh, you know, an incredible role model and, you know, showing us the way. And I thought, you know, time is limited. You, you mentioned that earlier. And how am I going to make the most of my minutes? And, you know, these 60 or, you know, 90 minutes might be better spent serving others, you know, in an active way versus sitting here, especially just, you know, looking at the faces and everything else. And again, it was an isolated personal single church, suburban Chicago experience. And I said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to come up with something. And so I tried to be a, a big brother, but that was a very, um, you know, I had, I got a little brother and, and he, you know, then moved after one episode. And so that's why along with you and some others, we created this program in South Minneapolis to work with these kids because I felt, and as you know, that was a lot more than an hour a week, yeah. but that was what I felt you know, in a lot of ways I was hearing on Sundays, it was like, this is what you should do. Go forth and serve. You know, that's how the 
mass ends, right? It's go forth yeah. and service. Like, okay, I'm going to do that part of the thing. Yeah. I'm going to skip this part of the thing. I'm going to go do that part of the thing. Yeah. And, and so that commitment to that, you know, lives to this day. And, and I'll say what I'm doing today is, is not directly related to that, but, you know, I think that we can do better mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people can do better. You're the one that told me about the social contract and, you said that, you know, when companies work in a community, in a, in a city, in a state, you know, they got to give something back. And, um, and I believe that. And, you know, there are shareholders and, and, and employees that benefit from that. And so I guess it's a long way of saying there's a lot of different factors that come into that. But uh, I, just, I just think we can do better than yeah. just going to work and coming home. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's, I think actually it's very apropos that you actually came to that, you know, at, during, you know, a sort of, you know, and I don't think it was your isolated church there in suburban Chicago. I think that's actually one of the issues that, you know, the church capital C has is, is in we've, 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 uh, we've lost the, you know, as, as somewhere in the Bible and I'm horrible at quoting scripture, I'm trying to get better, but you know, so, well, <laughs> faith without acts is dead, you know? <clears throat> and, and I think what's cool is that you, you actually did recognize that whether it was by that assemblage of, of words or not. And, and you, and it wasn't that you just, uh, cause I think a lot of people, when they are in that situation, they get so frustrated and then they just opt out. They just tap out. So they actually don't even do the, the ax part. You know what I mean? They don't even do the, well, I'm going to go do something. <laughs> they just, they're just so disenfranchised that they just end up, you know, it's a, it's a double negative. And I just think how you've lived that, you know, whether you've consciously known it or it's just been now part of your essence, it's something that your coworkers are seeing. It's something your kids are, they've been raised, they've known no other way. And I just think it's a real, um, you know, it's not like you're out, chaining yourself to trees, you know, and, and trying to save the <laughs> earth, but it's just the way you live. It's just, it's just part of who you are. And I think that's just a really, that's uh, that's kind of what this podcast celebrates. It's just guys that are living good lives, um, virtuous lives. And, um, you know, that's, that's the whole point is learning more about. So, so speaking of virtue, we are going to, um, we're going to segue, uh, we're going to segue to our fun segment, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, uh, as you've all, as you've heard, and you are, I, uh, who, the, the man here who taught me everything about business literally is, is on, is my, is the guest here today. So, and, and about marketing and about creativity. And so it's, it's doubly embarrassing to still have no better name for this segment than the fun segment. So now it's, we're teetering on irony now that it's gone on so long <laughs> of being such a crap name that now maybe it'll actually become cool. But anyway, the fun segment, three questions, uh, everybody has them in advance and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and we hear what they have to say. So fun segment question. Number one, if Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow and just wanted to hang out for the day, uh, you got a whole day just with Jesus. What are you going to do with him? So I'm really hoping it's a Sunday because I'm going <laughs> to take, I'm going to take Jesus to church. And I know this steps on question number two for your, you know, loyal listeners, but <laughs> I'm going to take him to church and I'm going to go in the baby room, the crying room. We all know it with the glass. And I'm going to start at maybe a Catholic church, maybe not, it might be a, you know, AME church or something else. And I'm going to say, is this what you had in mind? Is this what you were thinking about? You know, is this, 
what you expected when you were doing what you were doing. And, and I have, if one thing, uh, our first place we worked uh, taught us was that uh, the skill of critical thinking and just intellectual curiosity. And so, you know, when I decided to, you know, give up my way too small altar boy outfit uh, and go off and, and, and do community service, um, you know, part of it was, I think what I'm hearing is Jesus saying to go do this stuff instead. And what I would love to do is to get his take and, and just understand um, and go across a bunch of different uh, churches on a Sunday. And it'd be great if he actually showed up Saturday and we can hit a synagogue and, and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But I would just love to kind of get inside his head in, in a way that, um, you know, we've interpreted as, as humans over the past 2021 years, yeah. um, what he was thinking and what he meant. And I just like to kind of wrestle that to the ground a little bit. Yeah. So, so that's what I'd, I'd yeah. do if I had 24 hours. I love that. And I, and I actually think you're, you're hitting on, and what I've also, uh, it, it is, um, I don't know if it's irony or just, or just something even beyond it, but you know, the fact like, cause like you say, all we're doing, whether you've got great churches or not so great churches, you know, uh, and not to get overly deep here, but like as human beings, okay. As fallen sinners, we can't do anything other than not live up to the expectation. Okay. So we are, we are inherently flawed. Okay. So (laughs) anytime you're trying to ask now these mere mortals to try to, you know, represent, if you will, and do it right. You know, it's, it's never, it's not a matter of how far are we falling short. It's, it's a matter of the degrees, like how far off. (laughs) And so I think that, I think I love that because I think it's, it's in, and that is where then, you know, even with all the faults and all the, you know, the warts and everything, there's grace in, in that, in the fact that, you know, that we actually are sort of entrusted with, with at least trying, you know, and I think getting that, that kind of interpretation or that, that kind of play by play from Jesus would be great, you know, to see like, cause I don't even, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're closer than we think. Maybe we're way more off than even we, we already kind of know we are. So, all right. Uh, well, speaking of church, um, and, and so, so this will be interesting and I'll just <laughs> ask the question and see where you take this one. Um, but if you could go to church, uh, maybe again, uh, with any other guy living or dead, famous or not, uh, you could know him, you could not, um, but anybody, but it just has to, it has to be, it has to go to church and, and you got to go with a guy <laughs> who are you going to go with. I'm going to go with Bill Murray. And, uh, I picked Bill Murray. Uh, he grew up around the block from where I live now. His sister is a nun at the convent down the street. Uh, I think she's retired now. He went to Catholic school around the corner, Loyola Academy. Um, and you know, I think we had similar experiences, uh, in the Catholic church and, and I, if the way this works, I can actually get to hang out with Bill Murray. Why wouldn't you jump on that? It was either, (laughs) either him or Obama, one of the two, but, um, but because of just the geographic proximity and I think the, the similar upbringing, uh, I think it would be great to sort of knock around and share some experiences. And, and I think church would be a part of that. I mean, yeah. his, his character name in Scrooge is Francis Xavier cross. 
the name of the school he went to is Francis Xavier. Oh, that is God. not an accident. Oh, so, I did. A little fun fact. That. Oh, that's great. Oh, I love Bill Murray. All right. Last question. Fun segment question. Number three. Um, and I have so many of my own personal examples here that I could even say for you. So I'll let you answer and then I'll tell you if you got the right answer. <laughs> if you could, uh, if you could, uh, if, if you could give a piece of advice to a younger man, um, and you know, define younger, however you want, but basically just somebody younger kind of coming of age, <laughs> probably in a more normal time frame, about just living a, 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 a confident life, of, of faith, of, of humility, of everything that this podcast aims to celebrate and aims to share with other kind of, you know, sometimes thick-headed guys that just need to hear stories like yours to, to start seeing their own story kind of unfold. What would be that piece of advice that you give young, a younger man, catch him further upstream, you know, so they don't have to make so many, <laughs> make all the mistakes we made. Um, well, what, what would you, uh, what would you say to him? Well, and I hope this is consistent and, and I guess you'll tell me if I'm wrong or not, but, um, it's respectfully question everything and gather as much information, walk in other people's shoes, experience what other people's experience. Empathy is everything. And I think when you're on this journey, um, you know, you're going to get a lot of, I'll say biased information and it's not intended to be biased, but people provide advice from their own point of view and their own experiences. And I think that's a data point and I think you connect with other data points. And so, um, unfortunately I think, you know, the younger generation today gets a little snarky in their, in their questioning of everything. So that's why I said respectfully question everything. Cause I think it's not a matter of criticizing. It's really a, a deep interest in wanting to know, how did you get here? What are you thinking? I mean, it's essentially the same approach I'd have with Jesus at church. It's like, Hey, you know, did you ever imagine this? Is this the way you wanted it to be? What would be different? And, and I think that there's, something about all of that, which allows you to arrive at a decision that is, you know, true to your authentic self. And so, um, it's either that or have a ball. I'm not sure which one, <laughs> but it's either that or the other one. So how close was I? I think they both work great. They were great. Oh man, Dave Brilla, everybody's, everybody's best man. I can't thank you enough for, uh, I can't thank you enough for being here. And, um, it was just great. Well, great thank you. Time. Thanks for having me. I had a blast. I had a ball. Thank you for listening to Mana. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.